Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is a weekly interview show that is all about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Welcome to episode 109 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. This week, it's my privilege to bring you a conversation with Maya Donenfeld. She blogs over at the excellent blog called Maya Made. If you're into crafting and into reading craft blogs, you've probably heard of her and her blog because she's doing some really great things. She dove right in to the world of craft blogging two years ago. She's 40 years old now, and she lives just outside Ithaca, New York. One of the things I find so inspiring about her blog is that you don't need gobs of money or any fancy equipment to do the crafts that she comes up with. And I love that. You know, I love that she's repurposing things like toilet paper tubes. I mean, this woman has come up with some ingenious advent calendars out of toilet paper tubes. This year's is pretty awesome. You need to get over there and check it out. Don't take your recycling out to the curb until after you listen to the show because you're going to be looking at that bin of recyclables much differently after the show. So grab a project, a cup of coffee, pour yourself some tea, whatever strikes your fancy, and settle in for an inspiring conversation with Maya. To get things started, I think it would be a good place to start is just to hear a little bit about your creative history and how you got your start on this uh, creative road that you're on. Okay, that sounds great. You know, I do trace everything back to my childhood and how I grew up. This is what I'm doing today is very much the atmosphere that I grew up in um, was all about creating uh, creating our spaces, creating our toys, creating um, our clothing, and so what I'm doing right now in my own family feels just very familiar and very much an extension of what I learned. As where did where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in two different places. I grew up in San Francisco in the early 70s in the heart of the hippie movement. My parents were both hippies. And it was also, you know, the back to the land as we were in the city, but back to the land movement where everyone was making their own stuff anyway. And so it wasn't like we were that unusual. We were doing something that that different. Most of our friends all had their own handmade clothes. Everyone was baking their own bread and making their own food and growing their own gardens. Even in the middle of the city, my mom um, managed in our little backyard to have chickens and ducks. Oh, wow. And, and were, they, were they secret secret chickens or were they um, sanctioned chickens? Well, I actually don't know how much they were sanctioned, but there really isn't a way. If you've had chickens with a rooster, there really isn't a way to keep chickens secret. Your neighbors know yeah, if you have a rooster. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. That's yeah. true. But um, I also grew up, I spent a lot of my childhood on Long Island with, um, with my grandparents, who had a huge impact on my life. And they were very special people. My grandfather built, um, built the house that I was born in. I was born on Long Island in this home. And he and my grandmother built it in the 40s, and it was the first... Um, solar-heated house on Long Island, and he was very much a visionary and invented 
things every day. He always had some new project he was doing. So he was a very big inspiration for me in the sense that I always had the sense that anything that you wanted, you didn't have to go to a store to buy it. You could make it with your own hands. And that was something that was very much celebrated. And I don't want to say expected because it was not a pressure that we had to create things, but it was just something that we did. It was very um, simple. So I I think my grandparents, my grandmother ran a nursery school. Part of the house that they built had a huge addition on the side that was that was uh, a nursery school for 50 years, a cooperative. And within that nursery school, a lot of, I think a lot of the things that I make that are child-focused tend to stem from my early childhood education on my, my own, and then also my, my grandmother. I lived in a nursery school for most of my childhood. All of my summers were spent in this nursery school, so surrounded by a lot of interesting resources and materials. It sounds like a great childhood. I mean, that what a fun place to to kind of hang out at a nursery school. Yeah, and I had it I had it all to myself for the most part. Um and I had, you know, there were always easels set up. There was a workbench with real tools and scraps of wood and anything, you know, DIY was not really a term people were using, but it was just something that was really it was it was a part of what I I did all the time. I would just invent things and create things. And it was kind of under the tutelage of my, my grandparents. Well, and, and it sounds like that, as you said, that made a huge impression because now that you're saying these things and just from what I've seen on your blog and seeing the things that you've created, it totally makes sense. I can say, oh yeah, I can totally see this little girl growing up in a, uh, around with access to um, handmade toys and encouraged so much. And it sounds like uh, you've really made kind of your... Um, I mean, that's really a big part of what you're doing now. Yeah. And did you did you actually after um now we covered like the early childhood here. So, did you actually end up going to art school or what what was the path as you got older? Well, you know, I always I always wished I had gone to art school, but at the same time, now where I am today, I realize that um being self-taught is really what I'm about anyway. So it makes mm-hmm. sense that that isn't something that happened. I I ended up going in the direction that my grandmother and my mother um, went in, which I was a nursery school teacher. So I went into the education field, and, um, and I worked with children up until I had my own, and so, which, was, which was 11 years ago. So I've been mothering for 11 years. I have two children. And how old are your children now? I have an 11-year-old son and an almost 5-year-old daughter. Oh, fun. Yeah. Lots of fun. So it sounds like you've been then applying the whole handmade just tradition that's been part of your family. Now you get to apply that as a mom. And what is that like, that experience of showing little people in your life how to make things? Well, I think that, you know, because I've always, because my background was teaching, I, I really couldn't wait to have my own children to show them how to do things. And what's fascinating is that pre-parenting, I really, I didn't realize I had an attitude of, oh, I can't wait to show them, but I did. And now I'm in the, the role of actually being the student to my children because they teach me. So I can show them how to create things. But even last night, I had made a little burlap tree and I had placed it on 
on the kitchen table before dinner. And my kids were the one that had, you know, the next great idea of how they were going to decorate it. And they started showing me. So oftentimes I find that my my children are the ones that inspire me and I follow the lead that, that they take. Isn't it amazing how that happens? Because I thought, you know, when I first started, I did kind of the same thing that you did. Like I couldn't wait to have like kids to show, uh, you know, just teach them all these things. I, I bought my daughter a sewing machine when she was two. My husband was like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, there was a, a fabric store. To my credit, there was a fabric store going out of business in town. Sadly, um, the store was going out of business and they had this little machine and it was deeply discounted and it's not very powerful, kind of intended as kind of a portable machine, but it's real. It's a real machine, not a toy. And I thought, wow, for 30 bucks, this is a steal, you know, but my husband, I called him from the, I called him from the store and said, I really want to get Abby a machine and a sewing machine. He's like, uh, she's two. And I said, yeah, I, but it's a great deal. He's like, well, as long as you, t- you surrender it at the door, because <laughs> he knew what would happen. I would have tried to teach her when she was two. And so he kind of hid it in the house and I waited a little bit longer. But I, I find the same thing has happened where I think, oh, I'm going to teach my child to make something. And what I learned very quickly is that the, it, fabulous things happen when you, you introduce a skill or introduce a new art form or craft and then just kind of stand back and let them do their thing. And it is just so fun to see what happens. And I, I've been inspired just like you by what my children do. And my projects actually, my creativity, I think I've been pushed further along on this road by them. And I, I didn't expect that. And it's been such a wonderful blessing to have that happen. Oh, yeah. No, it's they, they definitely are teachers. And I think that um, it's very easy as adults with our own aesthetic, with our own um, strong visions to mm-hmm. get in the way sometimes of, um, of the direction they'd like to go in. And I think that's been something that um, has been really a good lesson for me, especially with my daughter, who has very, very strong ideas um, about how things should be and how things should look. And I've loved it because she has really helped me to release a lot and mm-hmm. let go and and see where things will, how they'll evolve. So, yeah, it's our, our, our children really teach us a lot. Well, and I think I've also found, too, like I'll hear a lot of other women say, I tried to teach my child how to crochet or how to sew or whatever the case may be. And a lot of times you hear stories about how it didn't work out so well. I was teaching Abby how to sew, and I just got out an embroidery hoop, put some muslin in it, and had little tiny scraps of fabric. And I said, here, pin these down, and then I'll give you some embroidery floss, and you can just stitch them in place. And in my mind, I had this idea of her doing perfect stitches around, like, following, like, going, like, around the edge of the fabric or tracing the edge. I can't remember how, what approach I was trying to really push her toward. And she was three at the time, and she said, Mom, that is not how I do it. And I kind of looked at her because I was thinking, you've never done this before. But then I kind of just sat back and I laughed and I said, well, why don't you show me how how you do it? And she did these really great cross-hatched, like, stitching, just kind of random, some big stitches, some little ones. And and she just kept layering those little bits of fabric, adding a new one and just doing more cross-hatched stitches. And I would never have thought to tell her to do that. But her project turned out far more wonderful than I ever would have. If she would have followed my directions, it would have been pretty boring. And, And it was about her. But, yeah, I think once that we figure out that they can teach us something, it makes it all the more fun. So you kind of have a built-in craft club at your house, it sounds like. Yes, we do. <laughs> we do. You know, um, every child is really different. And so my son um, 
I homeschooled my son until he was seven. So he was home with me and we had plenty, we had ample opportunity for a lot of crafting. And the reality was that small motor skills um, developed later for him. So a lot of crafting involves fine motor skills. Exactly, and he, yeah. he was really frustrated um, with a lot of the initial projects that I, that I wanted to expose him to and, and give him materials for, and I had to learn other ways. I had to let go of what I had been so excited to, to share in my parenting. I'd had these great visions and see what it was that excited him. And so I found that we did a lot more inspired artwork in nature. So we did a lot more. I felt like a lot of what we did was we went outside and we created um, things that had a lot, we did a lot more science art and a lot more nature-based art. And that's what got him excited. And, you know, then having a second and seeing where she would go with it. She, uh, my daughter had her own style and her own, um, definitely her own passions. And she very much could sit and draw all day as well as sew and all of the kind of the traditional crafts. She, she really gets excited about them. So um, it's fun to see where each one is different. It is really fun. And you, we learn different things from each one too. Yeah. So that's been really wonderful. So I know that you said you, you're self-taught and, um, mm -hmm. and I think that in a way makes your blog all the more appealing to the crafters out there. People, you know, you hear a lot of people saying things like, oh, I can't make that or I'm not creative. And um, I believe everybody is creative and you just have to kind of find your your outlet, the thing you can do. And I think what's great about your website is that you're coming, you're kind of showing people like, hey, you're doing these wonderful, amazing things. And you don't have, you, you don't say, you know, okay, I have, you know, 20 years as a professional artist under my belt. It, you just have an eye for being able to look at materials and objects and you see something else, kind of the what can, what could this be kind of question that um, I love so much when I look at things. And it, I, that comes through on your blog and I think it really inspires people. What kind of feedback do you get to the things you put out there on your blog? Well, I, I'm, I feel really grateful that um, I've found this medium for sharing because um, I'm really excited about encouraging people to make things, not to uh, feel that they need to have special training or go out and get expenses, both equipment, tools, um, supplies, that a lot of beauty can be had just by what you have on hand and mm -hmm. that you don't need to to have years of training. And so... I do get a lot of people's feedback. I get a lot of really enthusiastic um, comments about, oh, I'm, I'm going to go make, I think I have that in my cupboard, or I'm going to go make that tomorrow. <laughs> and, and I think the enthusiasm that I hear from readers is that um, they, they want to be able, to, everyone wants to be able to make things. And I think that um, you can feel quite inhibited if there's a long list of supplies or very complicated instructions or a degree even that needs to be had to, right. to make it. And so the, the feedback generally is just, it's enthusiastic and like just excited of, oh, I tried that and it worked. Maybe it looks different, but it's mine. And, and that's what has been so exciting for me about writing this blog is 
encouraging people to find their own voice, find their own style, find their own um, special skill. Maybe somebody has never caused um, a rubber stamp before and didn't realize that they could. And the excitement and magic that happens when they first create their own design, I, I love hearing about that because I know that feeling. You know, it's the feeling that I have of, you know, it's, it's magic. Well, and it is great, too, because I think we, a lot of us have gotten very comfortable with the fact that we have big box craft supply stores. But sometimes what happens is you go in, it's sensory overload, you walk out, you might have a bag full of new supplies, and then you're kind of like, okay, now what? And you have to go home and take a nap because it was, like, <laughs> exhausting, you know, just that process where if you search around your own house and you make your own stamp and you design this thing from start to finish and then make little stationary cards to give as a gift, the process for me, in my experience has been, it's so much more rewarding when you're making every part of that. Now, granted, we don't always have time to make our handmade gifts completely from carving all the stampers and uh, making our own paper. I mean, obviously, you know, you have to see what you have time for, but I love that the the inspiration that you really um, kind of, you really do inspire people to go out there and try it, try to make it from scratch, you know, from what they have, you don't need tons of money to do any of this stuff. And that's really wonderful. And I want to, to kind of get people, um, because I know you didn't just wake up one day and suddenly you had this blog. I mean, some of us feel like that's what happened because we can't remember our lives before um, the internet. It's hard to remember, like, what was I doing before the internet? But um, for you, you were teaching, I want to make sure I have this timeline, right? You, you were teaching preschool. And then did you um, keep teaching until you had your children? Is that what you did? Or... Um, it, my life was not as I, it was. Um, there were lots of little things. I wore lots of different hats, so there was definitely teaching. I was a. There was a period of time where I was um, a toddler teacher, and there was a period of okay. time where I was a Head Start teacher. So those are two different age groups. Right. And but I was also I managed a vegan restaurant, and so food is another part of my life, and that's why there are a lot of recipes within my blog. Yeah, there sure are. Um, so I, I managed a vegan restaurant, and I also used to bake um, all through college. I did a lot of I, I baked for a living, and so yeah, that and I could go on. There are others. I, there are a lot of things that I did, and um, teaching was the biggest part of it, and working with children um, was the thing that I did the most. But there were a lot of things that I did here and there. I got a degree in psychology from UC Santa Cruz, and and my emphasis was in early childhood development. So okay. that's where that, that, that as far as just my academic life. But I felt like there's, there's a lot more to it than that. And if food continues to be, obviously you can tell that you, you love food. And I think once, if you're a foodie and you like to bake, that doesn't go away. That's, no. that's something that's with us for the long haul. So for you, I guess what I'm trying to do is help um, the listeners out there um, gain an appreciation for how you had all these great experiences and then you draw from all that, it sounds like, and your blog. I had all of these different, all through my 20s and into my 30s, I was doing, like I said, a mixture of different things. I was baking. I was, um, I was taking care of children in a classroom setting. I also did um, some nannying as well. And interspersed with all of that, I was also making a lot of things. And I think when I, um, when I first discovered that blogging existed, I didn't even, up until, this is the part that people might not understand, but up until about, my blog is almost two years old, 
two and a half years ago, I was barely even doing email. I was barely online at all. I had never heard of a blog. I I was rarely on the Internet, if ever. Um, I was really just focused on my family. And um, because we live out in the middle of the country, we had very slow dial-up connection, and it just wasn't something that appealed to me. So my life was very different than it is today, being so connected um, online. But it gave me an opportunity, because sometimes, sometimes being on, on the Internet can... Um, can take away a lot of time from making. <laughs> and yeah, it does. It really does. It, yeah. it does. And, and so my, my time for, for the first, you know, seven or eight years of my parenting, um, as I said, I homeschooled my son. There was a lot of time for experimenting with making, baking, doing, um, doing a lot of the things that I'm, that I'm making right now. It was, I, I was kind of living this bloggable life. If I had only photographed everything I made, you know, everything I showed of <laughs> being made, I, you know, I, I would be able to, uh, have Every day years worth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, so there was this whole, there was this whole pre blogging life, but it was very similar to what I'm doing right now. Um, but if I read, trace my steps, there were things that I was doing um, early on that I didn't really realize for that, that would fall into this um, perfect medium now for me expressing myself. When we had our wedding, um, there weren't DIY wedding blogs, which there's lots of them now, but we had, we, we couldn't afford um, a fancy wedding at all, and we didn't really want one. We wanted something that really represented who we were. So, right. we created our own um, our own ceremony, and we create everything about our wedding was handmade, um, and it was just it, it was part of it was out of necessity, and the other part of it was just um, we wouldn't have wanted it any other way. So. You know that in itself, our wedding maybe would have been a, would have been a lot of blog posts. You know, at the oh yeah, time. you could have been the cover of Martha Stewart weddings. You know, well totally maybe, but yeah. I don't know. But it was <laughs> you no, know, it was definitely it was it was very alternative. Um, right. But when I I look back, you know. I made my own dress. Um, I sewed my own dress, not from a pattern. I created a pattern on my own. Um, and then with the scraps, it was very much you know I'm not really doing anything different today than I've done my whole life. I, I reuse. And so um, the scraps from the, the fabric of my wedding dress ended up being, and my, our wedding, my wedding dress, actually all of our wedding clothes I made, and they were made out of hemp, which back then in 1996 wasn't as popular. Um, right. So all of the scraps turned into napkins, and they became oh. the party favors for a party favors, the wedding favors, um, part of the wedding favors for for our wedding, for um, for the dinner. So, it, you know, these are the these aren't new things for me. Is all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. So it sounds like you were way ahead of your time. If the internet could have just kept up with you. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm, I'm kind of glad. Sooner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was good. I'm glad that you know I'm I'm at the right time in my life right now to be able to put energy into this blog, which is what's so great. So, how did you discover? craft blog world my daughter was just starting a little nursery school and it was the first time that I had had a few hours a week um, 
in years to myself. And <laughs> yeah. within weeks of that happening, it was like the universe had opened up and someone knew, well, Maya's available. <laughs> and someone I knew in town ran a, a children's resale shop. And I had bounced some ideas off of her about things that she could do if she ever expanded. And um, when that day came, she, ca- she called upon me to help her. And it was very exciting, and she had put a lot of she she had a lot of faith in me and my ideas. And um, she runs this incredible little well, it's not so little anymore. They did expand; it's big um, resale shop called Mama Goose in our town. And she gave she gave me just a little taste by saying, "Go to Design Sponge," and check it. She didn't say it was a blog. She just said it was a site and go look for some inspiration for design ideas for the store. So I took a peek, not knowing what Design Sponge was or or even any site, any craft sites, any art sites, any design sites. And I fell into this hole, <laughs> this little rabbit hole. And I haven't really come out. Um, and you know, I just, I went from one site to another and I just remember I, I pulled all-nighters. I was so excited that there was this world out there that there were other people that were thrilled about making beautiful things. And I was pretty, um, I was pretty incredulous that I had missed it <laughs> and, then realized, and then realized that I hadn't, that I could jump right. in myself. Right. People jump in every day. Yeah. That's the great thing about it. That's really the great thing about it. And so for you, it was how quickly from that first time on Design Sponge to when you're starting to think, okay, I'm going to jump in and be part of this. Well, I had this weird moment. Um, It it wasn't that it was a weird moment. It was a moment of still not knowing um, how, how large Design Sponge was. It was still one of the only sites that I had been to, and I, I saw that they were having a do-it-yourself contest. And I thought, oh, well, I make things all the time. I should just enter. And I really hadn't entered. It wasn't like I entered contests on a regular basis. I had Right, ever. well, you didn't have time to do it, yeah. Right, but so I, I did, and I entered. I had a, a very busy weekend creating with my whole family supporting me as I created um, a children's table and chair set. Oh, wow. Out of, out of concrete um, forms for their sono tubes, and they're just these uh, they're cardboard tubes that you use to create the mold for concrete. And you can get them okay. at at any hardware store, any you know um, home big box home store. And um, I ended up becoming a, one of the top 100. And I thought, wow, wow that's pretty amazing. That's and then ended up becoming yeah. one of the top 20. And wow. as I was checking out all of the other finalists, I realized that everyone had a blog or a site that they could um, be clicked and linked to. And I was just Maya the mom. And there was a moment for me where I thought, wow, I do a lot of things. It would be really nice if I could share with other people, not just this chair and table set, but there's other ideas I have. Maybe I should have a way that people can link to me. So I, um, I set up a blog without even knowing what I was doing. I really didn't research it that much. I dove in and I kind of learned to swim as I was going. 
I recommend doing that if you can because there is so much support out there. It's a, such a beautiful community. The, the, the crafters and artists and designers are so welcoming that if you have questions, um, there's always someone there that's experienced it already and is usually very open to, to helping. At least that's what I found. So, and, and now I've become that person who uh, there's, uh, there have been lots of people that have asked me, oh, I'm starting a blog. How shall I begin? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's really, I, I love supporting other people doing this. Well, and it's one of those things, too. If you were to, like, some people hesitate a little bit. They're like, oh, I got to learn about, you know, HTML and I got to figure out what an RSS feed and all this stuff. And it's like, if you wait till you try to sort all that out, you'll never start, you know. So it's better just to jump in, just, you know, focus on what you love. You know, a camera is a basic thing and uh, just a keyboard so you can type. Uh, Have a computer, you know, and just start going. And do you remember your first post? Well, the first post was really um, a little bit about what I've said here, about how I how I come from a long line of makers. And, and that's, that's who I am. That's what I do. I make things. It's one of the reasons why I have, you know, the, I chose the title of my blog, because um, I'm just a really big believer in, in using my hands. And so it was a very short little post, but what I remember more than the post is that feeling of pushing the button for publish. And um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've lost that feeling. Every time I push the publish button, I think of this, this has the opportunity to go places I don't know where. And it's, you know, it's like um, it's traveling. You know, my words and my thoughts are traveling all over the world. And even with that first post, you know, I thought, well, maybe someone will read it and who knows where. And I think that's really exciting. It's really exciting. And I think that's what's really fun, too, is to get that feedback. And I've met some wonderful people that some of them I've never met in person that we have like this, uh, an online based, you know, relationship. And it's just so wonderful to connect with kindred spirits, people who love to make things. And those of us who make things always love to see what other people are making. So it's like, uh, you can lose days of your life <laughs> just looking at Flickr photos, you know, um, happily. But so for you, that was a big moment to hit the publish button that first time. And it sounds like that thrill continues for you. It does. It, it definitely does. And um, and that little feeling of will anybody read this never really goes away. So even for the new, blo- you know, a, a new blogger to know that there's always that little feeling. And Flickr, you brought up Flickr. Flickr is such a phenomenal source for inspiration. And I, I discovered Flickr soon after blogging, and that, that really became a big part of my sharing and uh, base for finding like-minded people is through the Flickr community. So, yeah, I, I, love, I love that visual inspiration of being able to see somebody else's work and then also see it evolve. That's really exciting. The process photos are really great. So how do you kind of balance the inspiration you find online with still being able to get your work done in real life? Oh, it's such a good question. And it's, um, and it's, it's one I think you know, many of us struggle with. And, and um, I don't know that I have, have an answer, but what I do know is that uh, 
in the beginning, when I told you I was so enthralled, I'd stay up all night, I couldn't get enough seeing what everyone was doing, um, I, I had to learn how to balance it so that I could could literally, you know, force myself, turn off the computer, walk away from the screen. It's time to find my own inspiration. And that isn't as hard anymore. It almost was like I had to re- reach a saturation point. Um, right. And, and, and it does happen. You know, it's not that I don't still enjoy looking at what's happening online. I do constantly, daily. But I also have really learned that I have to do it in small increments. And I've stepped back a bunch so that I can find time to make my own things. And one of the things that I think I've really learned is that I do have a very strong sense of my own style and my own aesthetic. And if I'm able to just follow what I love and kind of be true to my own, the things that really get me excited, then I'm not so influenced necessarily by, you know, the barrage of other beautiful, amazing things. I can just follow my own thread, follow what it is that I want to do. Um, but it's almost like I really do have to walk away from the screen at times and just say, okay, it's, it's time now, set aside, you know, I'll set aside very specific time that this is time just for my work in the studio or this is my time just for my time with my kids. Because it is very, you know, it's um, it's very seductive. Oh, it really Computer. is. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's I have a laptop that I'll have. My husband and I both have laptops. And we'll have them, like, down in the kitchen area, like, in the main floor of our house. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you how many times, like, I'll be walking across. Like, I'll be asking my children, okay, what would you like to go with your sandwich? You know, what can, you want some grapes or, you know, on the way to the refrigerator and sometimes not even realize I have flipped open the laptop to check my email or look at some, and I have to like catch myself and be like, wait a minute, this is not, this is lunchtime. <laughs> this is not, but it's like you have that, it becomes like an addiction where you got to check and see what's going on, who's doing what. And, uh, you don't want to miss yeah, anything. Exactly. And, and the thing is, I mean, you could sit in front of your computer all day long and still miss stuff because there's just so much. Yeah. You can't possibly read and see everything. And, but yeah, it's, um, so that's great. So that sounds like that's working well for you to have kind of. Well, I, I have time. a separate room. I have a separate room for, I feel very blessed that I have a studio and in my studio is where I keep my laptop. My laptop can travel and in the wintertime it travels to in front of the wood stove at night because yeah. it's warmer. <laughs> my studio yeah. is cold, but, um, having a separate room really transformed my creative space. I mean, my, my creative space internally, I don't, it is a creative space, but my space inside myself of, of giving myself permission to make things and also giving myself, um, the time to leave a project unattended and out without worrying that it was going to make it so that we couldn't sit down at the dinner table for dinner because it wasn't, you know, taking up the whole space. And we had an extra, we did have an extra room that was the whole family's office slash guest room. And my family has been very generous in helping me to create that space and carving it out as my own now. And, um, that's been really big. Not that everyone needs to have that, but I am so grateful that I do because I know that it has enhanced my process. Yeah, and so you can go in there and just kind of not worry about whether or not it's clean 
when you walk out, you know, yeah. the project, everything's put away. There are no doors on it. I mean, it's a big open space. There are no doors. So it's not like I can, like, close the door and say, don't look at it. Everyone has okay. to see that there are piles here and there. <laughs> <laughs> and part of it was when I started working with Burlap. Uh, I work with one of the main, one of my main resources is working with uh, recycled coffee sacks. And they take up a lot of space. And working with them, they also, you know, they can be messy. So having a room in the house, not that little strands of jute and burlap don't find their way into other rooms, (laughs) Um, but, you know, it's, that's been really, that was really crucial. So that was part of it. And so it sounds like that's just really enhanced, as you said, your ability to just be creative and free to do your thing. And so let's talk a little bit about the, as you said, you work with recycled materials. It sounds like that was part of your upbringing where you are always, you know, your family was making things instead of going out and just buying a bunch of plastic things. Um, but how did you start? And I mean, has this been a continuous process for you to just be recycling and making things and creating with what you have? Or did you have any kind of hiatus when you're working outside the home and, you know, maybe before you had kids or, I mean, were you always creating at this level that you are now? No, no. I think that um, definitely the, the pace has picked up in the last two years because uh, because of Maya Maine, because of the blog, there's, um, you know, there, the inspiration that I get from um, knowing that I'm going to be sharing some of these ideas with others has definitely, right. there's, the momentum has built. But yes, I was always creating with recycled materials as a teacher um, with very little funds in most of the places that I worked, you have to be very resourceful and you have to find, you've got to, we don't have to, I had to be very resourceful and I had to find materials for children that didn't cost anything and recycled materials make sense. So I was always um, seeking different reuse centers wherever I went. And when you go to any kind of reuse center, a recycling area, I I tend to get very excited about potential. So seeing um, all these raw goods that had once had a life as something else, from a milk carton to a toilet paper tube, I get very enthusiastic about the process of switching something up, about transforming it and reinventing it. So it's not new. I have always, I guess, done this, but it's the momentum has built so that I'm doing it a little bit more within one week. There might be several projects, you know, going at one right, time. Right, right. Well, and that's so especially the around the holidays. Well, yeah, and you do, speaking of the holidays, you do things with toilet paper tubes that I never really <laughs> were possible. Because <laughs> was this year two of the toilet paper tube advent calendar the countdown to christmas calendar because last year wasn't last year's a toilet paper tube as well yeah toilet paper tube. Yes. yeah last so year was my t- first one okay well let's talk about okay what you last year they were basically the tubes were still um you kind of closed the bottoms and yeah. then had them now were they hanging they were hanging from something as i recall they were hanging they were you know i um i loved i love the idea of cones um i've seen a lot of advent calendar cones and being able to put little treats in the cones and toilet paper tubes. I had, you know, I'd been saving so many just simply because they're, they're so wonderful. <laughs> they were worth <laughs> saving. Um, so 
that they reminded me of the cone. I closed up the bottoms. I um, decorated them so that they could feel, you know, they, I embellished them with scraps of, of fabric that were, they were all the fabric was vintage or um, reused fabric that had a, a Christmassy feel. And then I strung them from baker's twine. I just punched holes and thread them and hung them on our mantelpiece. And then and, you put little treats in those? And we put little treats in them. And we also put something which was new to us. We put time tickets in them. And we used um, little tickets that you can... I, I had I had a box of, of old tickets, and you can um, use the back of them to write different activities. Or for us, when I called them time tickets, each child got one. And even even my husband and I wrote some for each other, special things that we would do with one another. And I I can't stress how important that is to me to show our children and to show my husband that time with each other is more important than anything we could buy each other. Um, and in many ways, even more than what we could make for one another. You know, that, that time is the most special thing that we can give to someone we love. So time tickets got tucked into the advent calendar. Yeah, and then this year's you, you decided to go with the toilet paper rolls again. And this year they almost, but the thing is, I, I, first I looked at it and I didn't, it's not, I, then I looked at it closer and I'm like, oh yes, toilet paper rolls. But they, you transformed them more, I think, this that year. That was one of my biggest goals. I, I took a toilet paper roll um, to my husband one night. I did like an initial one. I said, tell me what it is. <laughs> and he didn't know right away. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know right away either. But it was so funny because when you said that, it, you know, you use a toilet paper roll, I'm like, oh, yes. I'm like, what a clever thing because you came back with a completely different toilet paper roll uh, inspired uh, calendar. And I love it. So tell, let's tell people a little bit about what you did. So for the folks at home who haven't, they need to get over to Miami to see it. But describe what you did. I love stitching with my machine on paper. And I thought, huh, what if I just sewed up the ends of the toilet paper holder? It would end up taking on a little bit of a different shape, almost more like a pocket. And so these are actually even simpler to make than last year's. I just stitched up all of the ends with a little zigzag across the bottom. And I don't have a fancy sewing machine. I have a very sturdy faff, but it's not... You know, it doesn't even have a, you know, a, a screen, a digital anything. It's a very, just a, a good workhorse. And I sewed up 24 paper, to, paper uh, toilet paper holders. And then they were, I thought, quite lovely as they were. But I wanted to have a, a palette that would match my, all, my new passion of security envelope patterns, which oh, yeah. are often blues and whites and and so I thought if I painted them white they would be a wonderful backdrop for little snowflakes out of security envelopes which are blues so I transformed them then they really it was just a bit of paint that I I paint and I only painted on one side and my kids and I made it in a day um actually you know in a morning so it, it and how did you do your numbers was that a stamp oh uh, rubber yeah. stamps and okay. they were actually my kids. They were they're my they were my children's number stamps from okay. their stamp um, supply. They've got their own all of their own stamps. So yeah, it was very easy. My my children did all of the. I I did invest in um, in a snowflake puncher, and 
what's really fun is that, you know, they were able to choose the patterns from the envelopes that we save and make a bunch oh, of snowflakes. Yeah. And those are like a gold mine because it's like free scrapbooking paper. I mean, <laughs> it's I don't like to go and buy scrapbook paper. I, I like to use things like magazine pages and newspapers. But the security envelope, when that bill comes, that's like the bill is a real bummer. But the paper, the pattern inside the envelope is almost like a consolation prize because it's like, you got to pay, but here's a gift for you if you're a creative type. So it's kind of nice to see those papers and you put them to fabulous use here. So that's really fantastic. Do you have your friends handing you um, security envelopes? Well, um, at this point, they're all saving them too. (laughs) I've gotten them excited about it too. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you know, toilet paper tubes. Yeah, no, I, I have, I have a lot. I have a whole section in my studio that is just um, storing materials, and that you know that come in so that our recycling um, is less than it once was, because I tend to just reuse rather than recycle. Right, right. And so, yeah, so I just had saved a bunch of security envelopes just for this purpose. For yeah, well, it's really inspiring. Just showing Thank people. You. That I mean, you basically you, all you bought was the all I bought was the punch. I happened to have their little tiny clothespins, um, but I had I had bought those a while back for my daughter for her doll clothes. So we had um, we had extra ones of those, and then I put it on um, a bulletin board that I had covered with old fabric that I had in my stash, and um, they are strung along a um, different ribbons of vintage lace that I also had been that had just been in my stash so I I just because I save things I tend to feel like I always have whatever whatever supplies I need I just need to go look for them Mm -hmm. and that's half the battle for me is I'm like where did I put that but yeah I'm curious about where where do you draw your inspiration from like for projects like this do you have a sketchbook that you carry around or like when an idea comes to you, you jot it down or, you know, where, where are you getting, where does this come from? Well, um, it comes from, you know, I, I do carry a notebook around with me at all times and I tend to have, you know, little brainstorms, but it's, it's sometimes it could be looking at something on Flickr, but most often it just happens while I'm making dinner, you know, <laughs> like there will be, yeah, I'll yeah. see something um, that will trigger an idea and then I'll, I'll jot it down because I want to go and, and try it. Um, you know, I had, I, I have another toilet paper um, idea that came to me the other night, which will be coming up and not to be too mysterious. <laughs> and, <laughs> is this but it a was holiday fun. toilet paper idea? or a, um... It is a holiday. Okay, it is another okay. holiday one. Yeah, I have a lot um, coming up in the next week or two. I have a lot of ideas around packaging just because I think the idea of um, creating gifts by hand is is something that is really being embraced this year and and for the last couple of years because of this whole crafting revolution. However, I really want to emphasize how beautiful it is to package things that you've made by hand in something lovely that happens to be reused or repurposed. Right. Well, and I think I I can't stand the idea of you buy this beautiful wrapping paper and then it's wadded up and thrown into a giant garbage bag in the middle of the room, and it just seems like yeah. what are we doing? You know, I mean, look, the packages look beautiful, but um, they also can look beautiful wrapped in fabric. Or I love the whole um, what they call them wrapping scarves. Yeah, that that's kind of come on the scene this year, which I'm actually going to try to sew some of those. 
And um, yeah, so I'm, oh, I'm looking forward to what you're going to come up with because I think we all are looking for ideas that are uh, inexpensive and just um, don't rack us with, you know, have you guilt riddled as you pass out your packages of handmade gifts stuffed inside of um, wrapped, you know, wrapped in wrapping paper that's going to be thrown directly into the trash. You know, there's something strange about that whole concept. Yeah, hopefully we can all, as a culture, move away from that. And so some of these ideas, some of these ideas I think will help. We'll see. Yeah, and and use that beautiful wrapping paper for something else. You know, I mean, it's not going to be destroyed right away. Right, right. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do with beautiful paper. So as I was saying, you know, I, I saw there was, there was a milk carton on my counter, and and that's all I'll say. But there's a milk carton on my counter, and I thought, oh, and I ran off in the middle of making dinner to sketch out an idea. And that, <laughs> so that's where things come from. They're, you know, they, they happen when I'm least expecting it. And my family has gotten very patient that, you know, dinner might be a little bit late or, you know, I'm pretty good at getting dinner on the table at the same time every night, but there might be that moment where I've got to go sketch something down. So. <laughs> So are you, I know that you do some teaching, so you pass on some of these great ideas to people. You do art workshops now, right? Yeah, you know, I um, I had the most phenomenal experience of teaching at Squam Art Workshops in June. Yeah, I saw that on your blog, and that must have been just so incredibly fantastic. It, it was. It was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had, actually, because Squam itself was such a beautiful, enthralling environment to be in and then to actually be teaching and sharing the things that I love with such an enthusiastic um, set of groups of, of women was just fantastic. So, yeah, that was wonderful. And I also, my mom has an amazing barn slash studio very close to me that I have, have taught some workshops and classes in, too. And it's new to me to teach adults since I've really only taught children before. But because I'm, I feel like I'm teaching on my blog all the time, giving tutorials, and it feels just like another extension of what I do every day now. Well, yeah, you definitely should keep doing that because I think people um, love it and, um, you know, you're, you're good at it and you love it. I can just tell you when you talk about the things you make and what you do. If you're running excitedly to your studio in the middle of dinner when you see inspired by a milk carton, I mean, that's a good sign that you're doing you're because doing, you're, not everyone can say that mild cartons inspire them and if it inspires you to go and create I think that's fantastic do you remember life before blogging I mean <laughs> when you had probably more time to to create but um you know it's it seems like this is fully integrated into your life now it is very much a part of every day both both actually coming up with posts and 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 uh writing them but also the doing and the making and and my family is, is very much just involved in whatever the latest and the newest thing that, you know, tutorial is. They're, they're quite used to it. So, and oftentimes are, my, my son is, is oftentimes my lighting or my prop man <laughs> when I'm taking <laughs> photos. So they, they definitely are wonderful helpers, um, not, just, not just always inspiring, but they also help me quite a bit. Do you have any other advice for people that might be just getting started and maybe wanting to feel more creative and maybe they just haven't taken that first step yet what what should they do today well i i I can't stress enough how important it is to make something every day and i'm not talking about making an advent calendar every day but you know even even if it's putting a little extra care into making a special meal or um making a little napkin ring to go with that meal or just even just a little something 
even if it's just making a handmade card, um, that if the act, I, I have found that the act of making something on a very regular basis helps me to not only um, improve skills, you know, I think that the more you practice something, obviously you feel more confident about it right. when you're doing it. So you're not only perfecting skills, but you're also generating this energy that comes simply from the act of making, and you want to make more. And so I think it's really just a process of, of starting with little things, but trying to make something as often as you can. And I do say make something every day, just, you know, as long as you don't set yourself up for it to be a big thing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, don't try to make an afghan or quilt every single day, you know. But I feel like ideas come to me at so much faster than they did when I wasn't in a daily practice of making things. And it just seems like the inspiration will come faster and it's in you know, quite intensely, um, if you're kind of in the thick of it all the time. I think you, you said it beautifully that, you know, the, um, the ideas come more rapidly. And I, I also think that the ideas, something about having an idea and then acting upon it, not mm-hmm. just writing it down, but then creating it and making it happen and having that moment of, oh, going from just inspiration to actually doing, mm-hmm. um, gives you, it not only generates new ideas, but makes space for new ideas. Right, because if you have this big list and you haven't done anything, it almost becomes a burden in a way, because you're like, okay, I have a hundred ideas, if I could just get some time, and it's probably better to check some things off your list, and some will work out, some will not. Uh, I have a whole list of things that failed craft projects that I've tried that just have not panned out, but I've learned from every one of those experiences, too. I don't really consider any of it a waste of time. It's no. all part of that process. Yeah. Yeah, very fulfilling. I know for me, I, I, lo- I, I can't stand it. I was sick a few weeks ago. I still sound kind of sick, but um, a few weeks ago, I was really, like I had about one week where I could not make anything. I was just so exhausted that I could not make anything. And I had whatever virus is going around. I don't think I had full blast swine flu or anything like that. But I just, and I was so frustrated because I, that's part of my daily life. I make something every day, you know, and when you're too exhausted to do that, um, I I realized it, it was kind of a reminder for me, like just how important this is. It's like breathing for me. I have to make something. Do you feel that way that you have to do it every day? Like not like it's a job for you, but like just to feel good. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely am aware. When I don't have the space and time to make something, I definitely get probably a little crankier, and <laughs> um, and feel like I'm there's something missing. But you know, I when I when I said make something every day, I do incorporate. It could be drawing next to my daughter, you know, alongside right. her, and that will still give me that feeling that I am. Um, that I'm tapping into that part of myself. Right, so, right. So, but, it, yeah, it, you, I, do, I do need, I do definitely have um, a strong need to, to create something regularly or I will feel stifled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think the people who live with us probably appreciate it too when, you know, we get to just do our thing and everyone's happier. You know, when mom's happy, everybody's a little happier, I think. So, um, oh, yeah. so that's, 
yeah, that's really great. And do you, so what can we expect next from you? I know we're, we're going to be looking forward to another something with a milk carton coming up. Um, <laughs> and, and didn't you say something else with toilet paper tubes or my uh, jump? No, no, you did. Yeah, it's all the, um, the, the milk carton inspiration came the other day and the toilet paper oh, okay, tube one. There, yeah, I have basically um, what will be coming up between now and the end of the year is going to be um, – a, a real focus on, on the holidays, of course, and on packaging. So uh, I, I have a, a whole series that I have been doing on simple gifts because one of the things that um, I really emphasize when I'm making is not just on recycling, reusing, but also on simplicity. And that means even just in the instructions. I really don't want to make things that are so complicated that they take days and days and have so many steps that I'm not only going to lose other readers along the way because they don't want to make something that's going to be so involved, but that I'm going to lose myself and that I'm not going to, I, I tend to need things to be completed quickly um, for me to feel that satisfaction that they're done because I have I have a full life outside of this. <laughs> you know, I, take, I have my children and, and uh, my husband, and we enjoy spending time together that's not just making things. Right, right. So I, I really, this whole idea of simple gifts, of being able to make things that don't take days, um, is very important to me. Right. And I think, too, if, if it's so complicated, the tutorial itself can be a just hair-pulling situation. Um where the joy of creating something seems to evaporate. I've gotten myself into some real doozies where I'll do something <laughs> complicated. And then I go to like try to explain to somebody else how they can do this. And it's not one of those things where it's three easy steps. And if you're on like step 24, you're like, okay, this is not going to work, you know? So, um, so that's, that's, that's good advice too for people. Like if you can keep it simple, um, you're probably finding too that some of your simple projects are probably, do you find that they're the most popular on your blog when it's something that's, um, a clever idea. Maybe they, people didn't think of it on their own, but it's something that's accessible and attainable for for a mainstream audience. Yeah. So, do you think that actually helps? Yes, I do. I think I think you you're right. Yes. If, if it's if, if it's not going if there aren't going to be too many new skills to learn to do it, it's something that most people already know how to do. Then, of course, it's going to make people get excited and want to run and do it. So, yes, those are the ones that are very well received. Yeah, and I wanted to tell you, too, that as a journalist, I really love your newspaper crafts because it's nice to know I'm not the only one on the planet that's um, I still have <laughs> newspaper. newspapers. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, I love newspaper, and because I've, you know, I've been in uh, newspaper, the newspaper business for um, years, I, I have always had newspaper on hand. So it's like if I needed to make a pattern, I grab the old newspaper. And if I wanted to, uh, I finally invested in, um, I got a deep discount on a, a old old model of a die cut machine just the hand crank model and i brought it home and what is the first thing my children and i are cutting up newspaper <laughs> we were making shapes out of newspaper a lot of other people would get like colorful construction paper or scrapbooking paper we cut up newspaper and we were absolutely thrilled by it so oh, that's um great yeah so, so i love newspaper yeah no i'm very enthusiastic about it for a crafting medium because it uh it takes paint so beautifully it takes it to does. a sewing machine beautifully and i still have my same um the, the first dress i ever made i made a pattern out of newspaper and i still have it so you know it it lasts <laughs> it does last it really does. and the thing is you don't feel bad if you 
you know, are using your rotary cutter and you cut a little bit of it off, you're like, okay, I can just make another one really quickly. Um, it's not expensive, you know, it's really great. So, and I'm, I'm just hoping that newspapers will still be here for a little bit because I'm not ready to let go um, as a journalist and also as a crafter that uses newspaper. But um, yeah. So um, aside from, I know I've, I've told you, you know, I've, I've kind of pushed you to tell us, you know, give us a sneak peek of these crafts that you have in store here. But beyond looking beyond that, you've in two years been able to come on the scene as a creative blogger and establish yourself. Um, and did your blog lead to you teaching the art workshops last summer? Did that, is that how that opportunity came up? Yes, it did. It did. It was directly, it was directly related to, to my blog. So my blog has opened up a lot of doors for me that I never would have expected and anticipated. What other, what other doors has it opened for you? I have been in, um, quite a few publications in print, so I had not anticipated um, that when I began as well. So I've been in several different magazines, uh, both my blog and, um, and my Etsy shop. Different designs from my Etsy shop have been featured in different magazines. And uh, that's been very exciting. Seeing yourself in print is, uh, is a pretty thrilling experience. So I'm very grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. So, well, congratulations to you. And Thank you. what what do you want to do next? Since you've created this fabulous, you know, kind of staked a claim. You're, you staked your claim on the internet. Here, you went out and have a space, Maya made, and we can see what you're doing there. What else do you want to do now that you have this kind of platform and this audience of people? What What do you want to do next? Well, to be honest, um, I really love what I'm doing exactly the way it is. Just, I mean, I really am satisfied and want to be able to continue sharing um, tutorials. It's something that I, I get a lot of pleasure out of doing. And I guess on a broader scale, I would just say that um, because I do enjoy seeing it in print, um, moving into the book arena would be the next, the next uh, step. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is. It I, seems like a totally natural progression for you because you've you've already you're already doing all that work, you know, that you would yeah. do for a book. So it's not like you would have to suddenly be like, "Oh, I got to write t- tutorials and come up with projects." I mean, you're already doing that and that's um so what you're doing has been great training. It looks it sounds like for for that. So um I'm sure that will come. I'm sure that will come quickly, probably by uh I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to talk again. We'll talk again. (laughs) When the book comes out. Yeah, we'll have to talk again. And I don't know if there's anything that I didn't ask you that uh, you would like to share with the folks at home. Well, you're very thorough. This was really a pleasure. And I, I do want to say that um, I'm really grateful for the amazing people that read my blog every day, whether they leave their lovely comments or not, I can see that they're coming and um, and I, I, they, they give me so much incredible feedback and support that it just feeds what I'm doing um, and, and makes it all the more pleasurable. So I, I guess what I would really want to say is that I'm so utterly grateful to everyone that takes the time to visit me. I really appreciate it. Well, and I've appreciated the, the time you've spent with me today. I really do. And I've... I'll continue to be inspired by your blog. Can't wait for that book. So if there are any publishers listening, this is one to snatch up. Uh, call Maya. Uh, she's ready. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and, and how, what, what kind of ego do I have to think that these people are listening? But, um, <laughs> you 
you know, it's, it's been, no, in all seriousness, it's been really fun to talk to you and um, thanks for your inspiration and for everything you've been putting out there. Cause you've, I mean, you, you really do have a lot of tutorials and free projects on your website and it really is a generous thing because you don't get paid for those. And I know as someone who's written a lot of those projects, you know, a lot of projects and done a lot of that, you know, those things as well, I know how, how much work goes into it. So um, I really do appreciate everything that you've put out there for the rest of us to try and be inspired by. So um, that will come back to you. I'm convinced that when people <laughs> give as much as you've given, no, it does come back. I really do Thank believe that. You. And yeah. And I think that's something too, for people at home to note too, because if you're, you know, you put a photo on the internet and people like what you know, like, Oh, how did you make that? And sometimes people are like, Oh, I really don't want to tell everybody how I made that. Um, but I find that when you, you know, kind of share what you know, good things come back and um, you definitely have been super generous with, with your tutorials and projects. So once again, thank you so much. I wish you all the best in the future and I think you're going to do some great things and I can't wait to see what happens next. I'll have to see if I can get out to one of those workshops. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank yeah. you so much, Jennifer. Well, a very special thanks to Maya for spending time with us today and sharing her story and as I find with every interview that I record for this podcast everybody has a story and I find these all so fascinating and I just feel like I'm getting a gift each time I get to do these interviews which really is a fun experience and I hope all of you are now inspired to craft with the things you know repurpose things maybe challenge yourself to make something this week or maybe after Christmas. We'll give you a little bit of a reprieve here. So thanks again to Maya for inspiring all of us. I don't have a sponsor for this, this episode. It's a little bit worried. I'm like, well, geez, how am I going to really afford to keep doing this if there's no sponsors? Well, wouldn't you know it, when I don't have a sponsor, I have a couple donors came forward. Just out of the blue, a couple people came forward last week, and I can't even believe it. It still seems, <laughs> I don't know, unbelievable to me that people... From far away, in one case, uh, the person was from Ireland, from Dublin, and this person is sending me money for my podcast, and it's really quite amazing. So I, um, so I want to thank Caroline in Dublin uh, for your support. I really do appreciate it, and even more, I think, more touching than the donations that came in this past week was the these lovely notes that came with them. And, I mean, that to me is just um, so gratifying to know that there are people listening that appreciate what I'm doing and feel inspired by it. So that that's going to keep me doing what I do. So thank you so much for not only sending a donation but taking the time to send along a note. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. And I also want to thank Patricia in L.A. for sending her support as well and, and a lovely note. I really, again, I really appreciate this, and it's always surprising because, you know, since I started taking sponsorships, I mean, it's been mostly supported by sponsors, which is totally appropriate and kind of what I intended. But thank you to those folks who fill in the gaps because this week that really helped. I really appreciate that. And thank you to all of you for tuning in and following the blog and just sending me suggestions for interviews. I really do appreciate that. I have one more episode that I'm going to post on the 21st. And this is one that I've committed to be part of the blog tour for Meg over at So Liberated. So look for that. She's got a great book out, and we're going to talk about that on the next episode of Craft Sanity. If you're interested in sponsoring that show, 
to send a note. The sponsorship rates have kind of changed. We raised them, and then we ended up lowering them. And so we're back down to, I think, a fee that you'll find reasonable. There's some different options there, and I'm open to your ideas. So if you have something, you know, an idea, or you have a business that you're starting, and you have um, some kind of idea, interested in partnering in some way, feel free to contact me. I'm really trying to get sponsorships from handmade businesses and, you know, because that's really what my audience is. They're people who make stuff and people who love handmade stuff. So we might be able to work something out together. And, of course, if any of you have ideas for upcoming shows, um, keep those coming. With that, I think I'm going to – I'll have a short after show. So stick around if you want to hear a little bit about – a little bit more about what's going on in my life. Um, Stick around for the after show. You've had enough, just turn it right off, and I will never know. (laughs) Okay, everyone, I'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Okay, well, I think in the last episode I mentioned that I made this 10-member road warrior team. Let me just tell you, I'm not really feeling like a road warrior today. I didn't run yesterday. My my children weren't really feeling up to going to the Y, and they have a great daycare, kind of, it's not really a daycare, it's like a child play area where my youngest goes in one area with kids her age and gets to do craft projects and they dance around and read stories and do, it's almost like kind of a preschool setup, and then um, my older daughter goes with the older kids and they actually do stuff like um, rock climbing on this wall. I mean, they play four square and have a little more. It's a little more of an athletic, but also some crafting and some other things. So in the you know hour and a half or so that I'm trying to work out and then get showered up and get you know back into street clothes and ready to take them home, um, they're getting they're having kind of a fun experience. But um, yesterday just really didn't work out. My youngest daughter really wasn't feeling up to going and. I wasn't going to force the issue, and, you know, as the night wore on, I didn't get on the treadmill, and then I think I might have drank a Pepsi, yeah, I probably did, and it just was like a complete loss, you know, as far as my fitness went, and then today was a snow day, and um, I decided not to brave it to go to the Y, and I ended up spending the day making, you know, those uh, cloth napkins for my mom, and took a long time to do all those, but yeah, and I just didn't feel so well. So today was one of those, the last two days has been kind of, it's been a little bit of a struggle, but I did find out that I'm going to be partnered with a local charity that I think is really going to inspire me to um, get my rear in gear because I'm going to be running for some women and children that need community support. And I think that's going to be inspiring. And the whole public accountability thing too, because I really don't like telling you that I didn't run for two days that I didn't work out for two days. I I don't like that, but it's the truth. And I'm telling you this because if there's some of you out there that are looking to kind of get back into a fitness routine or maybe start one for the first time, you know, I don't want you to think that this is a really simple thing for me, like, because I think it's really frustrating when you, you hear a, you know, a very thin Sprite that was born with like Olympic genes, you know, you know, just where everything seems to come very easily. And I think sometimes that's frustrating because if you compare your life to that person, you think, geez, I can never do that. Well, I'm not an Olympic athlete, but only in my dreams, my Olympic athlete, you know, I've won a few gold medals for swimming in my, in my, uh, (laughs) in my dreams. But um, in reality, I've always been an average performer and 
you know, and part of this whole public training that I am, you know, really ramps up officially next week. We start training as a group. I'm coming clean with my lack of uh, fitness the last couple of days because uh, that's part of the deal. And also to let you know that if you have a couple of days where you just don't feel well or you just, whatever the, whatever the reason is, because there's always going to be something that comes up, it doesn't mean you can't get back out there tomorrow and do something. And so... Yeah, so if you're, I, I, you know, if you're thinking about starting something, a uh, fitness routine in 2010, tell me about it. Send me a note, and I'll do what I can to cheer you on. Because I know if you tell someone that you're going to do something, uh, if you go public, it does hold you accountable. So I do recommend that. And I'm going to try to drink some more orange juice and get myself back on track here. And, you know, just kind of... Uh, Try to build up that base of mileage that I'm going to need. And uh, it's going to be fun, I think, because I'm going to weave crafting into this because there's this whole charity component where I'm going to be responsible for trying to help a local charity raise some funds. And I'm terrible at asking people for money. It's it just, I, I'm very uncomfortable doing it, even if it is for charity. So I'm going to do some um, some crafting for charity and maybe doing some uh, some workshops that I will teach. And the proceeds will go to charity, things like that. So I'm going to kind of take a crafty approach to this. I think I'll enjoy that a whole lot more, and I think the participants probably will too, than if I just go up and say, hey, dude, can you give me 50 bucks? Because uh, <laughs> I just I just can't do that. So, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Anyway, oh, I want to mention I have a, I did a little YouTube video uh, last Saturday. It took all of 10 minutes to record it. My husband, Jeff, recorded it, and I, in street clothes, no makeup, I just told how to make these dragon boat ornaments. There's a cardstock template underneath and you just wrap with thread or yarn and I was inspired to do that video because my tv segment on Friday went completely awful it was um yeah it was really probably one of the worst I've ever done which is kind of disturbing to think more than a year into these tv segments that I could do one that was just terribly atrocious but I don't know if I just didn't look in the mirror before I left the house or what but I had this like sweater jacket on over uh, another short sleeve sweater that is like a, it's kind of like a sweater dress, but I always wear it over jeans. And um, it was kind of bunched up though, because when I put my microphone on, I didn't like readjust my sweater. So it would be like hang down. It was kind of just bunched up a bit. And the sweater looked ridiculously too tight when I saw myself on this YouTube video, because my husband uploaded it and I hadn't seen, I hadn't watched it. So I had no idea. Until I watched this thing and I'm like, oh, good grief. I mean, this is, like, really bad. I said, um, about every third word. I was exhausted because I stayed up really late the night before. And I'm just like, wow. This is, so it kind of has led me to kind of reevaluate what, how I'm spending my time. But what it really it did is it really inspired me to do this other video. I think it turned out okay. So if you want to see this video, it's uh, on the website. It's a 10-minute video. So it... Pretty, it's pretty comprehensive. It'll show you start to finish how to make a dragon boat. And yeah, so if you have the time and you're interested in learning how to make these ornaments, check that out and let me know what you think. Because if that turned out to be, if you think that was a bad use of my time too, you know, I'm receptive to your comments. So please let me know. I find that when I go and I teach workshops or I just tell people things and I'm actually showing the steps and I have more than four and a half minutes on live TV, I just, I think I come across as being a bit smarter a bit more knowledgeable. Um, sometimes in these TV segments, when I'm on live TV, I feel as if the audience might suspect that perhaps I've never done this craft before. And while that is amusing to me, because I craft nonstop, 
you know, it, it also was a concern because I'm like, okay, clearly, you know, I need to um, be presenting myself in a way that's uh, breeds some kind of respect, you know, for what I'm doing. So I know that I'm a, my own biggest critic, but it was, it was kind of a bomb. But I, I guess the reason I'm even bringing this up is because sometimes we have to, you, you kind of have to fall on your face to be inspired then to change what's going on. So, you know, I've always thought, oh, I could do more videos showing exactly what the process is. But I thought, oh, I don't have time for that. But it actually turned out to be easier than going to the TV station because I stayed in my kitchen. You can even see some of the clutter around me. <laughs> I mean, this is like real life, how I live kind of video. So check it out. Let me know what you think. I know I've been going a little stir crazy because I've been making things for other people for, oh, I'd say the last several months. And I'm really looking forward to having a moment to make myself a new apron or I have a sweater pattern that I want to try out. And so... And so many clothes I want to make. I'm going to sew some clothes. So I am really hoping for a little bit of a reprieve after the new year. So, But then I also have some really huge goals, too, for the next year. So there won't be much of a downtime. But I'm looking forward to it. Oh, and I just want to update you on the Margaret's Hope Chest, Hope Squared Quilt Drive. I did a podcast with Karen Vogelzane and her mother, Carol Peters. Oh, it was a few episodes ago, and they had announced back in October their intentions to collect 400 quilts to donate to the Grand Rapids Public School District and those quilts would go to children who are homeless over the holidays and it was heartbreaking for me to even hear that there are that many children that are affected. It turns out this year they're expecting about 300 kids to be in homeless shelters over the holidays which is I mean it really makes you you know appreciate everything you have. It just puts everything in perspective because we're just those of us who have homes are are so blessed to have those homes and you know it's uh so anyway it's a pleasure for me to let you know that the final count the quilts came in and they came in and they totaled over 400 quilts and they actually surpassed 500 if you count the quilt tops that came in that aren't finished. They got about 150 quilt tops that aren't finished. So They'll be finishing those. The need in Grand Rapids School District this year, you know, turns out it's about 300. So they're going to make sure, they're going to send uh, 385 quilts to the school district. And then Margaret's Hope Chest is going to distribute the remaining quilts as they finish these quilt tops to people in need. And this charity, as I as noted in the previous podcast, I believe it was podcast uh, 105, they basically give a quilt to people, you know, one person at a time. They'll give these quilts and therefore people who are either they've had some kind of medical issue or they're they've had a trauma in their life of some kind uh lost a loved one they've been through something uh it, the, the basic criteria is they need hope uh i finished my quilt and i barely got it to them uh the deadline was november 15th and i actually turned mine in after Thanksgiving, so i was late i was late getting mine done but it felt really good to be driving that quilt over and uh you know, my daughter, Abby, insisted on being the one to put it in the box. They had a little plastic bin on their porch. And it was about dinner time, so I didn't interrupt them, and I just uh, let Abby put it in the bin. And she thought it was really a nice thing. You know, she, she got a kick out of that, and so that was fun to see her play a role in this whole experience. And Margaret's Hope Press is going to continue to need our support to keep giving quilts out to people in need. So if you want to make a quilt for them, they'd be glad to have it. Or if you know somebody out there need some hope you know for whatever reason uh head over to uh i have a button on my blog that's uh, you know it says i support margaret's hope chest and underneath there if you click the the button you'll get over there and you can find out their contact information and ask for a quilt if you need one or you know somebody that does 
That's why they're there. They really do appreciate the outpouring of quilts. I got to be there the day after Thanksgiving, and quilts were still coming. They got three boxes that day. Uh, we were at Carol's house in Grand Rapids, and they were just surrounded by quilts, stacks of quilts. Upstairs, there was a bed covered with quilts. I mean, it was just phenomenal to see that kind of response. So I know there's a lot of credit due to Crazy Mom Quilts and Craft Hope, two websites that it really helps get the word out. And it's great to see the, once again, craft bloggers stepping up and helping. So that was a beautiful thing. So good luck, everyone, as we just work independently, but as one collective kindred group of spirits here trying to do our last minute holiday crafting make sure you're getting some rest drink the orange juice i'm going to try to take my own advice on that front as well and i will be back on the 21st with another episode so i'll see you then